Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Fitness and wellness expert, naturopath, and adventure enthusiast, Wendy Peck. And my husband, Todd Isburner. He's a fundraising guru, men's mentor, and Bible scholar. And as a couple, we're going to share riveting breakthrough stories from our guests who've experienced the meaning of a changed life. Our hope is that you will be inspired, equipped, and entertained along your own life journey. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. thing as a second chance. Yeah. You mean like a second life? chance in life? Well, yeah. what about a third chance or a fourth a chance? A fourth or a fifth or a sixth. Exactly. I think they could <laughs> potentially go on and on. Well, uh, it reminds me of sort of like the before and after pictures. You know, you coach a lot of clients in the area of health and wellness and fitness. And I've seen some of the before and after pictures, pretty major, major transformation. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, and we typically don't focus so much on the before as we do on the after. Right, right. Well, right. today's guest really should have like a photo that would show the before and after of all of his life transformations because this guy has been through it. And if there was such a thing as a quota on using up your chances, he'd be pretty close to it. So he's like a cat with nine lives? What do you mean? <laughs> More or less. It's very true. I, I am so pleased that you and I can introduce today's guest, John Brock, because he's been a good friend of ours for quite some time. And uh, we're going to welcome you in just a moment, John. But I, I've got to read through your bio a little bit just to be just to remind myself of what an incredible <laughs> human being well, you are. <laughs> well, as you, as you do that, don't think cat, think dog. Dog, there's, there's, okay, there's dog. A, he's just a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John, our friend, is the senior teaching pastor at the New Hope Church and president of Coach Brock Ministries. And for nearly 20 years, John has encouraged people with a story of Christ's love in his prodigal journey, challenging the church on God's mandate of reaching children as well as helping the broken and the poor. And so blessed that uh, we got to witness and uh, even be a little bit of a story in your prodigal journey. Awesome. In 2007, John became the featured teacher at uh, the New Hope Church and later the founding pastor in 2008. And uh, this is really cool, too. You know, most pastors like to be called pastor. John prefers coach. Coach. I like and, that. Uh, and deservedly so. He's also served in men's youth and adult ministries at churches in Port Huron, mm -hmm. Michigan, and Warsaw, Indiana. Um, he's a 1984 graduate of Grand Rapids School of the Bible, and uh, now is uh, Cornerstone University, a great, great school. And uh, John's also a 40-plus year veteran. No way. 40 years doing this. Uh, veteran. 40, for, 43 years in radio. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's so cool. You, of course, he was a boy when he started. He's a veteran <laughs> of both Christian and mainstream radio, and since 1988, He's helped in raising money for Christian radio stations and other Christian nonprofit ministries, including Salvation Army, Compassion International, Family Life Radio, and United Christian Broadcasters in the UK. 
Uh, John enjoys training ministries in fundraising, and he hosts numerous fundraising events in places like Australia, New Zealand, and the UK, and he's also a frequent speaker at conferences. So Coach and his wife, uh, Heidi, were married in 2003 and live in Towis City, Michigan, with their dopey dog radar. <laughs> hey, we have a dopey dog, Cody. We love her. I can attest to that, man. And uh, so Heidi's been involved in church leadership and ministry for over 25 years as well. And she's got a degree in background in management and marketing and public relations. Awesome woman, especially married to John. And their adult daughter, Ashley, lives in Missouri. You are truly a man committed to family. And this I do know from firsthand experience with you. You love well, your it, wife and John. I, I love my wife. Uh, my daughter um, saved my life in many ways. Mm. Uh, my mom, who's still alive, lives just a mile from me, um, had had prayed for me in some of my darkest days, in some cases, eight straight years before God uh, did any answers uh, inside of me. So it's really all about family and fortunate. I have most of them near me and and the other one I get to see as often as I can. That's so awesome. And you know, this, this podcast is about, I mean, it's called your biggest breakthrough and you've had several big breakthroughs, <laughs> but we'd like to talk about your biggest. And um, I know it's really going to inspire the listeners because they're going to find something in your story that I believe that they could relate to and possibly their own that will give them hope. And I know that that's what you're all about. You love sharing your story and you love bringing hope. So tell us a little bit about um, those dark moments and uh, how you we're able to break free. Well, it, it really, I've got to do a flashback to the flashback before All that right. happens. Break, yeah. Cue the music. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, when I, when I started in my life, I, I, I thought, Hey, I'm going to be a professional athlete. I think every kid growing up in the late sixties and early seventies kind of thinks he's going to be a pro at something. And for me, I thought it was going to be uh, football. And unfortunately um, I got chop blocked at a, as a sophomore and blew out my knee and to the point where I actually don't even have an ACL, uh, wow. my medial collateral ligament. It was a, you know, a, nearly a year in rehab, six months in a cast. I mean, it was pretty bad. And at that point in time, my life, you know, when you have your life dream of something and it as in 10th grade, that's already gone, all of a sudden priorities start to change. And at that point in time, God got a hold of my life. And the very next morning after I made a decision to follow Jesus, I'll never forget. It was a Sunday night, seven o'clock in my bedroom. The next morning, I'm up eating frosted mini wheats. <laughs> and the reason I remember that is I had the box Should we up talk in front on of that? me. Well, I, I, had, I had that in front of me because I didn't want to look at my sister. And uh, you kind of did that. You kind of set up your thing. And I was listening to Christian radio, a guy by the name of Daryl Parker at Family Life Radio in Midland, Michigan. And God spoke to me, not audibly word, but this impression came in. He said, you are going to do that the rest of your life. And I, I never heard from God before. <laughs> it was very strange. And from that moment on, I felt like I was going to be either in sports radio or something like that. God kind of designed that differently. And I, I did go to Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music. Um, yeah, I remember having to study Bible classes, which was fine. And then they had to take a pastorate class. And I, I told my professor, I said, I will never be a pastor. This is a complete waste of time. <laughs> Please don't ever tell God what never you're say never. never. Do. And, now, were you wait, and, were you were you going to pursue music for a while? No. Well, no, no. no, it, no. It, okay. Music's part of the curriculum, uh, but no. Uh, well, I actually thought I was going to be a you know Christian music artist, but 
I, I, I had to take the basic music class six times. I never did pass it. Dude, I was going to so, say, I've heard, I've heard no, you sing. That would have been a bad no, left turn. Maybe it's the bongos. I can play guitar, I can play drums, but I just right. can't read music. So at any rate, I thought I was going to be in Christian radio or in sports radio in some aspect. And then uh, God directed me back to my hometown. I couldn't get a job in Christian radio. I learned the basics of really good radio. Uh, in this small t- town, and then actually spent a couple years in television, uh, which I thought at the time, like, well, this is, I have a, you know, you heard this, I have a face made for radio. Mm-hmm. That didn't last. But the principles I that I got there in shooting video, editing video, and particularly in front of the camera has really served now because for a while, all of us were quarantined. And guess what? We were, we shot church in front of a camera like I'm doing right now. That's right. So some wasted. of those basic... But yeah, it, that's the point. God doesn't waste anything. He mm-hmm. really doesn't. And uh, I was married. I'd spent five years managing a station in Port Huron. Uh, I was actually traveling around raising money uh, with, with my friend there, Todd, uh, helping out doing share And the mo- moment I needed God the most, the moment I needed to cling to Jesus the most in a personal tragedy through a, a marriage that disintegrated, my daughter was born in, on October 10th of 1990. And right after that, uh, our marriage disintegrated. And I should have clung to Jesus, but instead, I just kind of uh, several months later said, you know, thanks a lot, God. Um, I, I think I'm going to take it on my own from here. Were, were, you, and angry? That began, were you angry with God? No, I can't no. say that I really was. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there might have been pockets, Wendy, where I was, but it really wasn't that. It was more of a um, well, you know, very much like John the Baptist when he was in prison and he of anyone should have known who Jesus was. Right. And and in that he said, are you really the Christ? And I, so that's really what it was for me. God, if you really care about me and I've spent my life trying to serve you, this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> and, and it was really painful uh, when my daughter was born. Um. She grabbed my hand and uh, hmm. I was, I was gone. And so to see her every other weekend or, you know, once on a Wednesday night or whatever, that wasn't acceptable. And it, and still it was really brings hard. Tears to your eyes right now. As you yeah. Talk she's she's going to be, she's 30. Yeah. <laughs> she just turned 30 last week as we watched this. And Powerful. so, yeah. And so uh, at that point in time, instead of clinging to Christ, I kind of went my own way. i actually got my way. I got involved a number of years later. I had a business that didn't work well. It was actually a, a, you know, it's funny. Go ahead and say it. Yeah, go ahead and say it. I've never been drunk in my life, but I actually had a sports bar. And it just (laughs) didn't go well because I kicked people out there and go, listen, go and be with your family. Well, you can't can't make any money when you're kicking customers out. And uh, and then you had the right heart, though. (laughs) Yeah, well, I got my dream job and working in sports radio in uh, in Michigan. (laughs) And, you know, I was doing radio shows with pretty well-known sports figures. You know, guys like Barry Sanders and um, Tom Izzo still coaches Michigan State and the Red Wings were big at that time. And, uh, and and what I came to, Wendy, was after two or three years of that, and it was the dream job was something I wanted when I was a kid, I figured it out. There's only so many sweaty football players you can sit next to to go, this isn't that much fun. <laughs> but, but Good to know. Because, well, it's only because – I wasn't doing what really what I was wired to do. I wasn't yeah. do, right. doing what God designed me to do. But and, how cool uh, is it that God allowed you to have your way? 
mm-hmm. <laughs> for that little season, yeah. right? Mm. Yeah. It, there's there's a great line in one of my favorite pictures from it's called Secretariat. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm uh, not not Secretariat. That's actually my favorite athlete. But in uh, in, in Sea Biscuit, and the horse is all messed up, and um and the trainer says to the jockey, "Go run him." And the 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 jockey says, "How far?" And he looks right at the right. I'll never forget this line. He says, "Until he stops," and mm. that's exactly what God mm. let me do. Let him so run. Good. Until he stops. Yeah. And uh, actually, my life continued to spin out of control. I made a lot of money, wasted a lot of money, got involved in relationships I should have never been involved with. I my my daughter was still really important. She lived across the country, so we didn't see each other very much. It made it very difficult. It was really hard. Uh, when we did, we spent lots of time together, and I I got sort of reduced to actually. And this is an honorable profession. I respect the men and women that do it, but I was actually selling groceries door to door. It was the only job I could get at the time. Everything else had shut. And I just kept running. And and But here's what happened. My daughter, we went on a, a trip to Washington, D.C. to see my sister. And we had a 12-hour drive. It was on Easter Sunday. And I picked her up and there was nothing open on the road. So I remember, she still never forgets this. We, we had, I wouldn't suggest it's not very healthy, but we had our Easter dinner at McDonald's, the only thing that was open. <laughs> I wouldn't but suggest I, that either, but hey, no, hey, real but, quick, how, how old was Ashley when you guys took Ashley this Ashley was trip? 10 at the time. Okay. So this was eight years of this life running. Mm-hmm. And she, this was the turning point. It's one of the breakthroughs for me. She said, dad, how about if we listen to Christian radio? Hmm. And I said, no, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, having left and kind of been burned, felt, felt like I'd been burned or whatever. Now, Judge, just real quick, just real quick, because some listening might uh, not, they might have a different perception of Christian radio, which is maybe kind of where where even you were at the moment. It's like, oh, you mean a bunch of organ music and preachers yapping at you? It was a different (laughs) kind of Christian station. Yeah, it was really um, some powerful contemporary Christian and Mm. some artists that were, uh, that, that have just had great music and great background and great hearts. And so that's what she suggested we listen to. And uh, I said, Ashley, I can't do that. Mm. Now, let me take a quick step back. Every month for eight years, I dreamt I was back in Christian radio, at least once a month. Mm. And here's the odd part. Once a year, I dreamt I was a pastor. And I would wake up like soaking wet, kicking and screaming like, no, 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 no. <laughs> And so when she suggested that, I, there was just too much hurt in me. And I said, no, Ashley, I can't do it. She, I'll never forget it. We were, we were just crossing from Ohio into West Virginia. And she looked at me and said, dad, please, Hmm. you're so sad all the time. Maybe it'll make you happy. And so, um, I said, okay, you know, when a 10 year old says that I'm like, okay, we'll do that. And we had been listening to other stuff and we were having a great time. And so I started listening. I only could listen for a little while. And then she said, okay, let's turn up and listen to something else. <laughs> On the way back, that 12-hour trip, we did the same thing. But as I was driving around in my grocery truck after that, I started listening to Christian radio. And for a while, I could only take about an hour of it, uh, listen to Bible programs, uh, programs on the family, uh, a lot of really upbeat music. And uh, after about a month or two, uh, I was in the in the snow in northern Michigan, and uh a, a song came on that uh, really meant a lot. Another one came on right after it. And I pulled in somebody's driveway in some little town that didn't even have a stoplight, got on my knees and said, okay, God, I'm tired of running. Um, Do you remember what on, that you, song you, was? You get all of John Brock. And mm-hmm. um, 
Uh, yeah, it was one called, it was uh, written by a friend of mine, uh, and still is a friend. His name was Scott Rowley, uh, along with Michael Card. It was called The Things We Leave Behind. And it's mm. really the story of uh, Peter and Matthew, Peter leaving his nets, Matthew leaving the tax collector book uh, booth. And it's about what happens to your life when you leave that behind and the freedom that you find. And then mm. the very next song was God of Wonders. And so when God of Wonders started, I got on my knees in the snow. And said, okay, God, from now on, you get all of me. I'll do whatever you want. I'll go whatever you want. I'll stop complaining. And I'm tired of driving. I'm tired of being the captain of the ship. Mm. You, you Just tell me what you want me to do. That was Full it. Full surrender. You know, I, yeah, th- that is a tremendous description of what a breakthrough is all about. Mm-hmm. Because breakthroughs happen suddenly. They're like this momentary sh- switch from one thing to another thing. And what's interesting is you were out like Seabiscuit running and running and running for eight years, but God had all the while been extending this invitation and you've been sort of prepared and prepped to hit your moment of breakthrough. And uh, just a great visual to imagine you in the snow on your knees, uh, literally just having it out and surrendering. What a beautiful picture. Well, and and that, again, there's another, there's another, a line of pictures that are happening behind the scenes. I had friends, including you, Todd, who kind of went, all right, you're going on a path I can't follow. I care about you. I love you, but I can't follow the path that you're going. And, and that was, and now looking back, I mean, it's just, it was incredibly biblical and it was really, it's all you could do. But I did have my mom and my sister every day for eight years. They never stopped praying. Mm-hmm. I had a friend named Brian who I grew up with, played football with sports with, and he's still one of my accountability guys today. Every year he would come up. His mom just lives a couple of miles from mine, and they're best friends. And he, he'd say, okay, we're going to have breakfast. And we'd have breakfast, and he would look at me, and he'd go, John, on behalf of the Savior, would you come home? And I, oh, wow. I, I Prodigal like, son right there. And I'm like, no, no. I've done Because here's what happens. And I just give me, give me the other byline. And I had some other people praying. So God used radio, but it was a conglomeration of lo- other things happening. But here's what happens. When you choose to make a decision like that and say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to steer the ship myself, God, thanks, but no thanks. What what happens is God lets you go. I think it, I could just, just see his hand of blessing kind of go like this. Let me give you an example. I had never had a speeding ticket up until that point, eight years. Uh, you know, at that time I was like 30. Eight years, I got nine speeding tickets in eight years, and I haven't <laughs> had one since. I'm serious. It's almost like, oh, God, went, okay, if that's what you're going to do, whoop, I'm going to. And so. I, I was making hundreds of thousands in radio and it just, the, the death spiral goes down. Mm. And, and here's what happens. At first, when you walk away, you go, you go, okay, I kind of like my freedom. And then your friends sort of can't follow in that path that you surrounded yourself with. Some do, but some don't. And, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, see, the only reason you loved me was if I did what you said. And, and you start talking to yourself in these, these words that don't make any sense. And the enemy's like, yeah. Uh, they only love you if you do what they say. They don't really care about you. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and then about a year and a half into this, two years in it, I'm not kidding you. There's a subtle shift. All of a sudden you go, man, what have I done? And the enemy, that same enemy that goes, yeah, is the one that goes to you. He says, yeah, what have you done? Look, there's no way you can go back now. You've burned every bridge that you've ever had. The people that cared about you said they cared about you have long left. God doesn't care about you. You might as well just give up. And there's this just really subtle tuning to the point where a bulk of those years, probably five or six of those, I remember just looking up in the sky and going, 
what have I done? God, where are you? And I just, you know, the enemy would jump in and say, well, you've done too much. There's no way you could come home. So when my friend Brian said on behalf of the Savior, we'd come home, I was like, no, I can't do that. There, I, you know, I've done too much. There's no way. There's no way God could ever love me through all of that. And uh, that's what happened when I got on my knees in the snow was that breakthrough of, wait a minute, that's not accurate. It's not true. Um, it was a hard road, but, you know, that breakthrough was ever so sweeter because it was a God who loved me no, despite my, you know, melon-headedness. It's so good, John, because I, I would imagine many people listening can relate on some level. Mm-hmm. We want our freedom, right? And we yep. think that freedom is doing whatever we want to do. And really, freedom is having those healthy um, boundaries that God puts in place for our um, safety and for his glory. And so uh, we sometimes think, no, that's not freedom, but really that is the freedom, right? When we are in a safe place, (laughs) but we think we want to go outside of that and do our own thing. And then we get caught up in all kinds of things. No, you just nailed it. In fact, in that song, I told you the things we leave behind the key line that drove me to my knees was this freedom's not found in, in the things we want to do. It's the power to do what is right. Yes. And I, I had no power to do what was right. I was powerless. And so that's when I hit my knees and went, okay, that's it. I, I don't. And, and then ultimately you have, you have great freedom in that because God allows you to, to do things that he's created and wired and designed for you to do. And now he's got his power behind those things. Yeah. Boom. Hmm. Your life just explodes yeah. in ways yeah. that you would just never imagine. I think yeah. it's pretty amazing that, um, even though we can say it and kind of believe it, that God never gives up on us, uh, it seems hollow when you're in the midst of a life that has given up on God. And you're not quite sure why God wouldn't give up on you. But it's interesting to me just how Brian was speaking into your life, how God will oftentimes illustrate the reality of that and the truth of that through other people, people who won't give up. And you sense that with Brian. And even I, Ashley, and, even and, yes, Ashley being yeah, consistent Ashley. at your 10 mom years and your old. Sister and yeah. I think that's just a good Ashley. lesson for us who might be dealing with people in our lives who are in that same spot of feeling like, you know, what's the point? Uh, right. You know, God has given up on me and I've given up on him. But if we'll be the voice, if you will, of reason, extending that hope, we could be part of the process of setting someone up for their own breakthrough. Yeah. Speaking truth, speaking yeah. God's yeah. God's light into their life. And, you know, there's life and death and the power of the tongue, right? You know that all too well right. because you're a pastor and you speak on that stuff a lot. Um, but I, I think you just have a, a beautiful story and to surrender and have that breakthrough in that moment is huge. And so with that said, how, how has that breakthrough caused a ripple effect in where you are today? Like with your family, <laughs> your finances, I mean, I'm sure it's just been um, pretty well, cool to look back and see. Yeah. And it's, it's not been an easy road. There have been some that, you know, that I'd hurt deeply before that, that, you know, didn't want anything to do with this change. And, um, you know, that part was tough. I I remember, you know, part of this, this is really about pride, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, I remember, you know, when you're, when you're up in front of the camera, you're on the radio, you got, you know, future hall of famers coming up at training camp and hugging you or, you know, his son's playing basketball with my son, or, you know, you're, you're, you're walking down the hallway and there's a hall of fame coach going, Hey coach, how you doing? Hi, John. Hi, how's it going? That your head starts to get pretty big. And it, my pride and ego, you know, I still struggle with it like everybody does, but 
uh, you know, it, it all came to a head as I was knocking on people's doors, asking them if they wanted groceries. And they would look at me and go, didn't you used to be John Brock? Mm. And I'd said, yep, mm. I, I was. What can I get you? <laughs> and and when I hit my knees, I, and again, I still struggle with pride. I think we all do, humility, whatever. But when I hit my knees, there was no pride left. Mm. Mm. I had nothing. I had uh, no home. I was living on my mom's in in her bedroom, in her one of her back bedrooms. Um, I had no car. Um, I was I, I was using my brother in law's car. Um, I had no money. Uh, my child support was four hundred thirty five a month, and I I I just had just declared bankruptcy a couple years before. It was mess, and it started by saying, "Okay, God, what do I do next?" And one of the things he had me do, and this is odd, because remember, this is eight years. He said, I need you to call and make it right with 10 people. Mm. And I was, I heard that same voice that about the frosted mini weeks that said, you're going to be in Christian radio. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> well, remember, I, this was, you're talking about 2000, 2000, early 2000 or late 2000. I didn't have a cell phone. All I had was a bunch of change in my pocket. So I went to the nearest gas station, got to a, a telephone uh, thing. And here's the funny part. This is where God really works. I didn't, I had not called those numbers in eight years. I didn't, I have a really bad memory. And all of a sudden phone numbers and names that he wanted me to contact. First one was my mom, of course, but Todd was the third one he wanted me to call. Hmm. And I, I won't say the number over the thing, but I hadn't called <laughs> that number in eight years. I don't remember that was, number. Uh, yeah. No, don't. Nine nine seven. Oh, forget. Anyway, so I was like, okay. So I called it. I left a message, and I think I was, hey, Todd, you might not even remember me. This is John. I just want you to know, I'm, you know, just humiliated of the decisions I made. I'm, I'm calling to ask for your forgiveness. God, it's mm. kind of got attention in my life. He got a hold of my life, and he's asked me to call and make it right. And so I left out a message. Went on to make several calls. There's still one person I haven't now in 20 years haven't talked to yet. And it just hasn't worked out, unfortunately. But uh, and people were like, okay, uh-huh, that's nice. That's good. Or that's great. My mom was thrilled. Um, and then Todd called me back a couple of days later and we began well, yeah, to I had to listen. The- I, I had to listen to that voicemail probably three times before I could really believe what I was hearing because there had been uh, you know, a good working relationship with us prior to that. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, once you sort of made that decision to turn left, it 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 was really tough for me. I tried to kind of slap you around a little bit and then just left my hands off and said, all right, God is yours. So when I got that call, I, I never, ever expected it. It was so out of the blue. It uh, I mean, it literally just blew me away and I couldn't wait to call you back. Well, I hate to do another movie reference because I've already done, you know, Seabiscuit, but it was basically <laughs> when I walked away, it was like... <clears throat> You know the 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 field of dreams where the guys disappear in the cornfield. Yeah. That's basically what I did. I just went, <laughs> right. I'm leaving that. I'm leaving yeah. that life behind. I'm gone. I'm in the cornfield. Yep. And so for me to call, but at the time I never envisioned. I actually had a, a pretty good offer for a, a nation a network, a state of Michigan wide sports network, and I was really contemplating that. But I was really saying, okay, God, if you want me to work at McDonald's and I could be yeah. near my daughter. Not the McDonald's, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And when he said to call this, Todd and I connected, and 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 he, you know, I, I'm sure you were kind of at a step back, going, yeah, okay, well, that's nice. Yeah. I just was trying to make it right with the people yeah. that I cared about. Felt like 
in order to move forward, I had, you know, I had to, to come back and have reconciliation. Uh, that's what? really what God was all about, right? He sent yeah. Jesus for reconciliation to bring man to himself and and, and to, for us to connect with each other. So that was my deal. Not necessarily have a long-term relationship. It yeah. was, although that would have been great if that was okay. I just wanted to reconcile my distance from God and my distance mm. from my from yeah, other people. Like full on forgiveness. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. that's that's really what it is. Forgiving yourself and yep. and extending that to someone that well, maybe you felt like you did wrong to and just saying, Hey, I hope you can mm. forgive me too. If yeah. not, that's your choice. Yeah. But fact, actually, well, the forgiveness for myself was been has, you know, I still struggle with that, you guys. Yeah. Sure. Uh uh, because there was, you know, it was pretty bad. But Paul says in when he's talking to Timothy, he looks back on his life and he said, you know, I was the chief of sinners. I was the one most wet, messed up. I didn't deserve God's goodness, but I am a trophy to show uh, what God can do. And if people could look at me and say, that guy can change, mm-hmm. then there's hope for them too. That's what he yeah. basically says when he writes this in 1 right. Timothy. Amen. And so that's that's who I am. If, they, if, you, if God could turn my life around, I promise you, he could do unbelievable things mm-hmm. through you because that's pretty messed up. Yeah, or for the ones that we're praying for that we're concerned about, like your mother all those years wondering, is my son ever going to get his head back on straight again? So mamas, keep on praying. Exactly. Keep on praying for your kids. Never, ever give up. Well, let me just pick up the story real quickly from that phone call years ago. uh, I After I hung up, and you're right, I was a little bit skeptical. I had to ask you a few questions. Uh, You asked for my forgiveness. You apologized and and said, would you forgive me? Um, It just really blew me away. And so I thought about it for about 24 hours. And then it just suddenly struck me that God had arranged that for more than just a reconciliation in that moment for us, because my my business in fundraising was growing. And oftentimes I would say, ah, oh, I only had John Brock working with me again, right? <laughs> And so it's kind of like, uh, duh, hello, Todd. I've just sent you John Brock again. Are you willing to open up the door? So I called you back the next day and I started to put the feelers out and I'll never forget your response when I said, John, do you think God is opening up a door here for you and I work together again? And you, you were all flustered and said, well, 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 wait a minute. I mean, <laughs> you said, can God do that? That, is, that said, was exactly. Yeah. I said, yeah, no, come to think of it. I think you only get one more shot. That's it. I'm sorry, John. You know, tongue in cheek, jokingly, because God is a God of second chances. And, and third and fourth and fifth. And so he just keeps chasing we, after We us. couldn't wait to get together. John came up and we spent some time together. And shortly after that, you officially came on board and uh, and had to go through a bunch of stuff in a series of other breakthroughs over the years yeah. that followed. So I don't want anybody to think that once you have a breakthrough, man, it's all just rosy. I mean, John gets up off the snow, off his knees, and is immediately a, a radio fundraising celebrity and a pastor. It, nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how it works. Pick up the story, John, and, and, and fill in some of well, the of what's happened over the years. Before I even said, can God do that, I went, when you said, hey, could you even think about this? I was like, oh, oh no, 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 no. I will never get in Christian right No, no, no. That's not why I'm calling you. I'm calling to make it right and uh, to let you know that I've been reconciled to God. That that, And I, I've got to tell you, you know, I, I had given my life to Christ, but there was a part of me that was still about the rules and regulations. And if mm. I just do everything God wants me to do, he'll love me. And when you've walked away from that legalistic type thinking and you have nothing to give God except for yourself. All of a sudden that's forgiveness and that relationship is so much sweeter. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying go out and do whatever you want and then come back to God. It'll be a much better life. I, 
I really re regret. I, I wasted eight years of my life. But I got to tell you, here's what I found out shortly thereafter. There's a lot more people that were messed up like me than there are mm. people who got it right. That's right. And mm. uh, so we we not only reconciled when I flew there, but there was restoration involved. And so Todd, along with a group of guys we call the brothers, uh, we call them here at New Hope Church, we call them Iron Men, but they're mm. affectionately known as the brothers. They met, I think, then every Tuesday night. And, and so Todd asked me to come. I, I lived in his in, in his home, but he was gone for those first three months. He was uh, out living in, in Florida and, and doing the snowbird thing. And so I moved there on January 4th of 2001. It was like 25 below in Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> I got off the plane. I got in the car. I drove to the house. It's cold. I'm by myself. I'm missing my kid who's living in Indiana. I miss my mom who's living back in Michigan. And I was like, Lord, what have you done to me? So wait a minute. So you did, so you've never really understood that that was Todd's boot camp for you, huh? Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I even yeah. made you well, stay it, like you had a room in the basement with spiders crawling on the wall, nice. but it's boot camp. He had to shape up and then I go and I leave I him. Yeah. Well, and you know, that was, I, I kind of thought the drill sergeant at least would be pushing me and you did from a distance, but you know what? Um, I, I had to, here's, here's the second breakthrough. And in that three or four month span, it was lonely. There was actually quite a bit of tears, uh, second guessing. But I read a book um, from Pastor Michael Youssef from Atlanta on um, the wilderness experience and what it was like for Elijah to um, to have this great victory over the over Baal and, and the prophets, and then go running off into a cave by himself, and he's feeling sorry for himself and. As, as he laid out that timeline, I'm like, holy cow, that's me. And I read that book, I went through that uh, you know, story in the Old Testament. And then it just dawned on me, I have to go through this by myself. I didn't go through it by myself. I had people surrounding me, the brothers, yourself, my mom, others that were certainly praying. But I had to be just God and myself walking through this. I couldn't have a relationship with somebody that would just, uh, you, you want accountability, but I, I couldn't let somebody be my medicine or medicate to get mm. through that. Yeah. Uh, no or let, yeah, or let, it could be the bottle. It could be pills. I, I didn't struggle with those things, food, whatever that looks like. I, that could not carry me through football. Uh, I, I had to go, God, it's you, it's me. And he says, I haven't left you the still small voice doesn't get laryngitis. <laughs> it, and, and on the back side of that, you know, several months later, I look back, that was the best three months of my whole life mm. because I recognized that I didn't need anything else, including my daughter. I wanted that relationship, of course, yeah. but I had to I had to be okay with me on the backside of that with just going, God, I'm all right. And if I don't have a relationship, you know, I desperately wanted, I felt like I had a life that I wanted to 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 share with somebody to really love them. But I couldn't do that and when I'm not okay. And right. so God used that. I actually shut the door on ever having a relationship. I just said, you know, I'm just gonna be a great dad. I'm gonna go travel and and just help people. That's all I want to do is help people, whatever that looks like. But what that's done is put my eyes. And the very first time I ever shared my story at a Christian radio station, here's what happened. And I thought I was just going to um, share my story for people like my mom and others who were praying for me. And I went on, on, on the station and they said, we want you to share your story. And I was like, oh, no, 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 you don't. No, no, please do this. And I thought it would just encourage people who were praying for prodigals, if you want to call them that or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what happened? 
the phone rang and somebody said, Hey man, that's me. I want to come back to God, but I'm afraid. How do I do it? I don't want to go to church because I'm afraid I've done too much, which is what I was. And I said, Hey man, get, uh, well, let's get off the air. I'll I'll go pray with you right now. Let's get off the air. And and guess what? If if you go to church and you don't feel like any, I'll go to church with you. I'll fly down and go to church with you. Awesome. And what what I found out, there was more people listening to Christian radio who were like me, who who were just hanging on just by a thread, and just needed to know it was going to be okay, that they would be all right to walk in the door, that God wouldn't have the church, you know, come crashing down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when I realized, holy cow, I have a ministry to the broken. Uh, I have a ministry to those, especially men, who are thinking of walking out on their families. You know, my, my divorce wasn't my idea, but. I certainly had a part in that. And 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 I, I get to talk to a men's group like I'm going to be talking to them you know, later on tonight, 20 guys. And there's a couple of guys that are thinking they're going to walk out. And I'm like, OK, but let me tell you what you're in for. And let me tell you why this is not a good mm-hmm. idea. And let me help you. And mm-hmm. over the years, probably there have been at least 50 couples that God's allowed me to, to speak into and guys to go, hey, man, you sure you want to do this? Uh, and, you know, my story helping prodigals come home and all that. So, That's, but that, that would not have happened unless I had had the second breakthrough, which was, I had to be okay with just God and myself, him putting me back together so that I could have this other part of this journey. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's beautiful because when you are, you know, quote unquote alone, um, God knows that, that he's all you need. He needed you to know that he's yeah. all you need. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. a lot of times that's why we are in a certain situation or circumstance, because it's for us to be, to have that revealed. And that's when that breakthrough comes into play. And so um, that's beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. Well, and you have a hole in your heart and yeah. if you're going to fill it with anything other than God, it's including. You're going to get speeding tickets. <laughs> well, yeah. And you're going to, you're going to end up being having your life dream job and it's going to be a nightmare. And yeah. that's exactly what happened for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. John, it cool. occurs to me that there are some folks who are, are are watching and listening, and they they love your story and they're cheering and say, "Yay, that is awesome, man! You, you you did it!" But they may be going through a series of circumstances right now that make no sense, and they're not quite sure if there really is uh, a second chance that God offers, or a third or a fourth chance, or it might be that they are uh, working with a family member and it seems so hopeless. Um, can you give them just a couple of maybe practical takeaways? so that they feel there truly can be an opportunity for a real, true breakthrough? Um, Well, recognize the pattern that I just shared, that at first, I'm going to walk away from maybe even family. Uh, I've got a a brother who's a prodigal son right now, and I, I, you know, it's now been 10 years, and I'm just not giving up on that. I'm not necessarily calling him every day or even, uh, you know, every month, but I'm just, so prayer, it always starts with that, the very first thing. Uh, That's the only way that God is going to be able to, to, to penetrate a life. And I will say this, my prayer, when, when men particularly make some of these decisions, my prayer is God do anything you need to do to get that person's attention short of killing them or killing somebody else Hmm. or, you know, long-term harm. And I mean, at first people laugh at that, but I'm like, look, uh, God, while God would never cause a death of a child, Lord, we're asking still for the protection over that because the enemy would love to destroy that. So, mm-hmm. and then that's a hard, when I ask, I'm like, look, this is a hard prayer for you to pray for that person you love because they're going to have to go through some really tough times. Uh, what is it? Who said that that God, uh, he's, he 
speaks to us in our in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Hmm. And uh, so that's what I'm saying. Lord, do whatever you got to do to get that person's attention uh, short of that. So prayer, it always starts with, and then recognizing the pattern that at first when they walk away, there's this anger maybe. Uh, for, again, I wasn't really mad, although I, I was, I, I just, just, I thought people, well, they, well, you really left me fast. You really didn't care about me. But that was the other so that rejection piece. Yeah, the rejection part, but then mm-hmm. recognizing that the pattern usually between six months and a year or two years, the pattern's going to change and they're going to have a self-loathing, but they're not going to, they're not going to, it's not going to appear on the surface, but there's this self thing that, oh man, I'm, I, I, oh, I messed up, but they're usually pride gets in the way. I'm not going to tell you that I messed up or I'm not going to let you know that I messed up, but that's going on in there. If you can see past the hurt. And that's really what this is all about. Whatever that wall is up there, if you can look past that and and look to the heart of somebody who's broken, because that's also what this is really all about. Mm-hmm. There's hope for that and not giving up. It wasn't just Brian. I had others, a wonderful speaker named Carol Kent. Uh, she and I mm-hmm. did radio shows together. I actually was uh, the junior high pastor for her son, JP. And every year his mom lived here in town. So every year they'd have dinner with me and they didn't turn their back on me. They didn't say what a wretch you are. They said, Wow, it's just so good to see you. And wow, we miss you. And those little small things added up so that when that song came on, I got on my knees, but it was a hundred other things like prayer, small people, small reach out moments from big people. Uh, All of those things added up for that. So don't discount. You may not be able to walk the path with them, but don't discount prayer and don't discount what they're going through, that there's this self-loathing, and they might be medicating in all kinds of very destructive ways. And I would say I could have gone down further. I never was really much of a drinker. Still haven't been drunk to this day. Uh, and I went to sports bar. I'd never got in drugs. I, there's so much more I could have that, that the enemy could have grabbed a hold of me. I think God protected me in that. Mm-hmm. But uh, recognize those self-destructive patterns are somebody trying to fill up that hole in their heart with what's only meant for God and really family to come alongside with that. If you can hang on to that, past all the junk that's going on with their life, and stick to that, don't give up. Eventually, I think you see progress uh, somewhere down the line. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for sharing your beautiful story. And I know that <laughs> accountability is, uh, you laugh, yep. but it is a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, But accountability is a big piece, uh, piece of that puzzle. And so I'm so grateful that um, God uh, put those people in your sphere to um, keep you accountable and keep you on track. Um, Cause man, we, on our own, we, we just can stumble and get off pretty quick. So. Well, I think it's, uh, it's obvious too, that when you fall back into that centered place with God and you're following that path, he begins to fulfill what he intended for you in the beginning. So I look over the last 20 years for you, John. He's leading a church uh, now. You're leading a church. You're still <laughs> yeah. helping radio stations. And you know, here you were, Amazing. you know, Christian radio and you, you're miles apart. And now you have used, uh, God has used you in, uh, in the lives of really millions of people through Christian radio and through your pastor. And so, uh, and I know you don't take that lightly and you're still kind of shaking your head in disbelief going like, wow, how does he do that? <laughs> well, well, here, here's a, here's he a great story. Uh, it, it, it doesn't happen at every event now because I've been in places where they don't have them. But there was a while where we would do radio events at, all over the country. And I'm talking Hawaii, uh, yeah. Alaska, uh, in the back places of Colorado. And a, a, 
a grocery truck would go by right yeah. when I'm doing the radio, but <laughs> yeah. just to remind me, hey man, yes. uh, anytime you want to complain about your life now and traveling or whatever else, <laughs> do you remember what that was like? Oh, that's like, so yeah, good. I don't want to go back to Egypt. Yeah. God, I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Guys, um, sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, and again, I I never set out to be a pastor. My local uh, this the local church that I used to attend. It's a long story. But they asked me to speak one week. They were going to start a new church. And I said, yeah, I'll speak one week. And then they said, well, we speak the next week. And I said, well, yeah. And I just told my story of, of being broken and how God can change things around. And a couple of months later, they asked me to, you know, well, they asked me to continue to speak. And they asked me to be pastor. And I went, no, no, not interested. I'm, no, I will I'm, never. I'm yeah. No, yeah. well, and I just said, I'm just, yeah. look, everybody in this town, it's a real small town. It's a great town, but it's a small town. Everybody knows my story or whatever. But it was really clear that God wanted me to do that. So I've done both. I I, I continue to travel around, not as often, but I, I have a passion for Christian radio. My board recognizes that, that the impact this little church can have. I have about 500 people if everybody shows up, maybe 1,000. Uh, and, and they recognize that we are designed to serve. And so whether it's helping the poor, uh, whether it's having a focus in on kids because Jesus was passionate about children, and then um, recognize to have a global impact on ministries all over the world. I have a really, really progressive board that says, yeah, instead of go speak, maybe go help stations out and, and then go tell your story. And again, I, I, I still embarrassed. Um, I, I, and there's some people that will never come here because of, of this, but here's what's, here's what's cool. Last week I got invited. It's the second time I've done this. Our local uh, volunteer fire department got a brand new fire truck. And they said, would you come and would you pray over our truck? And, uh, you know, somebody had passed away this summer, was well known in our community and they, uh, who I really loved. And they said, we, we, we want nobody else other than you doing the, the funeral. And I don't do that to brag. What I say is, look, when you are humble yourself and you just say, God, where do I go next? And yeah, you can feel like your life was a grave disappointment to God. And I felt like mine was, there is beauty for ashes. He, he does take things off the dust heap and actually put you in a new atmosphere, a new Uh, a new impact. And I would have never asked for nor wanted any of that, but only God can do only, only God can do that. And uh, God. Yeah. And and I'll tell you that even happened in my finances. That was another breakthrough too. Uh, You know, there's just so many offshoots of this that takes place when you finally go, your life is not about you. Your life is about impacting others and making a difference for eternal things. And when that happens, you know, it hasn't been easy. There's been a lot of heartbreak, but, you know, I get up in the morning and I'm like, okay, you know, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That's exactly it. And John, thank you so much for sharing. If you were inspired by what you heard today from John's story, go to coachbrock.com, correct? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'd be happy to, to hear from you and uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. And we'll put this in the show notes. Yeah, I was going to say too, uh, check John out on Facebook. He does regular updates there. Some things are fun. Some things are serious. But a, more, a, a <laughs> little bit inspired. of a, a glimpse and inspiration uh, uh, of what uh, what life can really be all about. Breakthrough. Well, it's funny. Breakthrough. You know, it's funny you yeah. say that though. I actually took a break from Facebook from uh, most of uh, August and right up through September until the last couple of weeks. I just was seeing all the hatred and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt like, man, I just can't take it anymore. Yeah. But I was reading in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. And so my life is really going to be about bringing peace Good. to people, yes. uh, yeah. whether it's peace to them themselves and God or themselves with each mm-hmm. other. So I'm back mm-hmm. on Facebook trying to counteract all of the, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh boy, we got a mess yeah, going on. Just, <laughs> That's for sure. 
Well, John, you are a true inspiration and uh, we've been friends for a long time. I love you. I just love your story. Uh, you've inspired people. And uh, when, when it's time to write the book, let me know. I'll write the foreword for yeah. it. And we'll, uh, we'll nickname you Seabiscuit, John Seabiscuit Brock. <laughs> From bar owner well, to, to pastor. Yes, I love well, it. Well, every once in a while, I text Todd and go, you know, yeah. none of this would have happened had, had God not used you. Mm-hmm. And uh, understand this. Uh, you're going to have an impact in somebody's life and they may never tell you, you might not find out until the other side, Mm -hmm. but you have no idea the impact you could have Mm -hmm. on just one person. My favorite saying in the world is you can count how many uh, uh, apples are in a, or how many seeds are in an apple, but you never know how many apples will be in just one seed. Mm -hmm. And that's good. uh, That's so biblically true. And and I would uh, just, listen, you could be an inspiration to somebody who might, who, who might have a worldwide ministry doing whatever. So please, if you've got someone like that in your life that seems far away, don't give up. Don't give up. Mm. Don't ever, ever give up. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. a way to close this out. Thank yeah. you, John Brock. We um, just adore you and um, are grateful for all that God did in your yeah. life. And so uh, if you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And we can't wait for you to join us in our next episode, but go to the show notes and you'll see all of um, the information there and um, Coach Brock's website and more. So thanks for tuning in. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, we love spending time with you right here on Your Biggest Breakthrough Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. But until then, just head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment. And we would love to dialogue with you there. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.